You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 46. In addition to interacting with our eyes and hands, like looking at a screen and typing, we are also going to be interacting with our ears and voices. So we're going to hear things and yeah. respond to them verbally. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. All right, welcome. Welcome to another show of The Local Maximum. December 24th out here in Brooklyn today. The World Wide Web, as some of you know, was invented at CERN in 1989, the first browser the next year in 1990. A lot happened in those years, and the web really took the internet from static text uh, to the pages that we use today. And the key concept here was the hyperlink. And that opened the door to the interactive internet we use today. And a few years later, you had the ability to place contents of one page in another through a frame, for example, and now you can serve online ads. And the commercial internet was born. But check this out. We're podcasting right now. None of this works for audio. So there's no HTML and JavaScript for my voice. There's no iframe in a song. My guest today asks an important question. What if there was? Today's episode is particularly important to me as a podcaster and as someone who listens to podcasts and music. So in a few minutes, I want to introduce our guest, Shani Often, to talk about the audio internet, the internet of sounds, the part of the internet where this podcast lives. Now, I got a lot of feedback from my interview last week with Miriam. I suspect that if I had a larger audience, and I will next year, I have a plan, but if I had a larger audience, I'd really be hearing it from multiple sides. Um, but I just want everyone to know my goal with that interview was to get Miriam's perspective on what it's like inside Google. Not a disgruntled employee, not someone trying to sell a book. So, you know, there's, there's room for all that. But this is from an engineer's perspective. You don't hear that very often. And Miriam gave us 90 minutes of her time with actually very little to gain. A lot of people fear kind of doing this publicly. And uh, usually the people who do do this publicly are, as I said, you know, kind of a very different subgroup. So, uh, and I know a lot of you out there want to debate the social issues and talk about the merits and demerits of what Google is doing. And we will get to that stuff on the program. We've covered Google's product development strategy in the past, which is interesting, maybe not the most controversial. But look, to tackle these social issues, the first thing we have to do is listen. And if you did listen to episode 46, all 90 minutes of it, then you learned a ton about Google. I think we really got a sense of what it's like to interview, how they approach social issues, internal activism, um, and how to find people who are willing to hash out their differences. Yeah, it's going to be tough, but I'm encouraged after that interview that it can happen. So we'll talk about it more next time. Please send your feedback on that, uh, that episode and today's episode, of course, to localmaxradio at gmail.com. Um, now, today is another episode where you really need to listen. Um, that's that's kind of a pun. It's almost du double meaning, not a pun. Um, we're going to cover the difficulty in bringing interactivity to audio. That's audience participation, the role of advertising and pushing the internet forward and what it can do for audio, and just some general stuff on the nature of innovation and the state of podcasting today. Shani often became interested in the audio internet while working at about.com, where uh, casual conversation convinced her that a truly free and innovative audio internet will only be possible if somebody builds a great audio advertising 
platform. She joined Spotify to help do exactly that and currently leads machine learning for free revenue at Spotify, free revenue now being her favorite oxymoron. Her background is in neuroscience, and she developed a passion for machine learning when studying reinforcement learning in superstitious pigeons. Oh, I think we, I'm going to link to the reinforcement um, learning discussion that we had. Uh, She insists that division is an algorithm and thinks that there is such a thing as a win-win situation. Shani, welcome to the show. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Hi, Max. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. And welcome to uh, Foursquare HQ. Thanks for making the trek out today. Yeah, the whole five blocks. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> We're pretty close to Spotify, aren't we? Yeah, it's lucky. I, uh, I, I've been wanting to have you on this show for a long time because you came here to Foursquare a few months ago. Was it a few months ago? It was back in, well... It was less than a year and more than a week. Okay, yes. <laughs> I think it was when we first opened this office, and um, I didn't get to hear you speak here, but I heard really great things, and I had a few people request to me to have you on the show, so Aww, I really nice. appreciate that, that you're here. So tell me about the audio internet. What is it, and why did you start thinking about it? So the audio internet stuff started in my head when I was working at about.com, which is now .dash.com, which is hard to say. So this was like back in 2016, and they were a company that had tons of information about every possible topic. And their revenue model was that they paid people to write about things they were passionate about. So there were other kind of question-answer companies, internet companies, that were more like a question-answer farm. Um, This was more like having people who were really passionate experts in a topic have like a forum where they could just talk forever about that topic. And what we were doing back at the time was uh, tagging all of the entities and all of the content to disambiguate them so we knew what each article was about. And then I could tell you some funny stories about how you find bad articles using like NLP. Oh, Um, yeah. Do you want to hear funny stories about that? Yes, of course we do. Okay, but it's a digression. We, We do digressions here on the local maximum. All right, so for example... We did one thing where we took the ratio of um, how many, the type to token ratio. And I actually no longer remember which one's a type and which one's a token, but one of them is unique words and one of them is total words. And then we would just draw out histograms of all the thousands and tens of thousands of articles about where, what was the distribution of their type to token ratio. And then you would just always look at the edges of the histograms. That was basically the trick to everything. Create a metric, look at a histogram, look at its tails, find out what was going on. Because it's very hard with tens and thousands of thousands of articles to find bad ones just by reading them all. Right. Well, what would those bad ones look like usually? So, for example, so they had one type type to token ratio that was like, nearly zero, and it turned out to be an article that just had the word meow repeated (laughs) because it was a cat interviewing another cat. And so there was punctuation, but that comes out when you're doing NLP. And so it was literally the word meow like 500 times. So it wasn't like a song. It was like two cats sitting here in front of the microphone, meow, 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 meow. Exactly. Right. And that would be very hard to find for any other reasons. <laughs> the, other, the other edge were lists. People just, there was like a whole set of, what do dogs eat? List of 1 to 20. What do horses eat? List of yeah. 1 to 20. What well, do those sharks are, eat? Those list are helpful. Of 1 to 20. Like those could be, well, I mean, those could be funny, but those are, those are like clickbait. Like people consume that content. Right, but they didn't fit in with the spirit of someone who's passionate about a topic, sure. you know, writing sure. about it. Um, in a way that educates people. Yeah, yeah. And being able to, t- to detect those is uh, is pretty useful. Yeah, it was really fun. It was a very yeah. fun place to work. Yeah, we, we've done, we've covered a lot of like fun NLP stories. So that's always really interesting. 
Um, so we had all this like nicely entity tagged content, and we had it very well tagged in terms of what's the beginning, what's the middle, what's the end. It was just very nicely formatted. We were doing this for our own reasons. And then Alexa came to us and said, hey, what if we do something where you give us an information library? And so their idea was instead of just being able to answer very short form questions, people would be able to ask longer questions like, how do you set up a 529 account? How do you save money for college? Um, and this is way back in 2016, which I know is only yeah. like four a years ago or ago. something. But <laughs> it was very early on when people weren't yet fluent in creating Alexa skills. And we had been messing around with creating Alexa skills. And everyone was wondering, like, how do you get content onto Alexa? What's the best mo uh, model for doing that? Yeah. So I was really excited about this because we actually were a really good use case for it because we had such beautifully tagged content anyway. So I went to my boss, who is this great guy named Alex, and I was like, Alex, I'm really excited. Alexa came and asked us to do this thing, and it's perfect for our data, and it wouldn't be a lot of extra work, and I think we should do it. And he was like, Shani, that's great. Like, I love your enthusiasm, um, but what, why would we ever do that? Our entire revenue model is that we enable people to write about what they care about, and then we make money from that because Google helps us show ads on the page, so we drive traffic to websites, the websites contain this content, ads monetize that content, and we can pay people to write. On Alexa, like, that doesn't happen. It doesn't drive any traffic to the website. How could we ever monetize or make that a revenue model? Yeah, there's no, it doesn't seem any obvious way to do it. And that's also a problem with MarsBot here at Foursquare because, like, um, you know, we, we're trying to create, we tried to create a bot. We have a bot, and we try to make it an audio bot, but there's no obvious way to turn revenue. So yeah. exactly. So it seems to me to be the case that the world is moving more and more towards a model where, in addition to interacting with our eyes or hands, like looking at a screen and typing, we are also going to be interacting with our ears and voices. So we're going to hear things and yeah. respond to them verbally. Um, and we're very slowly entering our way there. There's podcasts, obviously, like this one. There's audiobooks. Um, there's some content that people, that publications have finally figured out how to put up. But none of that is like interactive. You can't follow a thought down a path. You can't, the way that you could if you're looking at a web page and you're reading an article about something interesting and you see like something underlined or bolded or blue and you know, oh, I can click on that and learn more. Yeah. Or there's a navigation bar on the left and you're like, oh, I can jump ahead to that topic. Or you can open multiple tabs and go back and forth between them. None of those have obvious analogs for audio. Like, what is blue for audio? Right. I feel like, well, you can't, like, click through, but some uh, podcast hosts and some radio hosts are really good with the intonation. Like, they come to a key term. Exactly. And then pause. Right. Then, I love it. Exactly. Yes. But, and to do that at scale, though, you need to find some signal. Like, it's certainly the case that individual humans are able to do that well. But how do you, at scale, translate the entire written internet into audio? Sure. Um, but that's a slightly separate question that I'm also interested in, but I'm telling you right now more about the story of why um, I'm so interested in monetizing it and why I'm at Spotify working on the ad server. So that was the first time that I realized that ads actually drive this sort of democratization of information, that without ads, there'd be no way to have a revenue model that allowed people who are really interested in whatever they were doing to just do that thing and then earn money from it. Sure. It's certainly the most common revenue model in podcasting right now. So right now, it's possible for companies that um, can do subscriptions or can have direct uh, ad relationships with big companies or brands, like people who are already in some sort of state of, uh, I don't know, very advanced state of being able to produce content. But it's much less 
available to any random person who just wants to experiment and play around, kind of like you, right? Like, yeah. And so how do, you, how do we make this possible? Like, how do we make it possible for more and more people to experiment with and develop, like, new novel ways to interact with audio? Also, I just had never realized how powerful ads were. I had always thought of them, I think, like everyone does, as like a, a sort of necessary evil. But they're actually not an evil at all. Like if Google hadn't figured out how to help monetize internet pages, we never would have had this kind of free information, very high quality information that's universally available. So anyway, I was interested in then, I was like, okay, the audio internet is never going to exist unless we can monetize it. That was what I learned like from that experience. And I really want the audio internet to exist because I want, there, I want us to be creating a new world that doesn't yet have a form. I want us to be finding new ways to interact with information that like is supplementary to what we already have. And like solving questions like what is blue, how do you click, how do you maintain where you are in a navigation menu, all of those kinds of really interesting questions, only like Google or Alexa are going to try and solve them right now because no one else can afford to spend their life doing that. We're talking about monetizing audio. How do you see it working? Is there some, you know, kind of simple solution that you think is, is well, I mean, obviously there's the kind of the podcast ad right now. There's kind of the inserted ad in music, but what can we do that's more interesting than that? So I think even the inserted ad right now for podcasts, there's a lot that we could do to make them better. Um, because right now it's a really undeveloped field and in general advertising is a fairly advanced technology, but audio advertising is not yet. So that's part of what we're working on. Like, how do you find the right content to insert in a podcast so that's additive to the user experience and not subtractive? Right, especially if it's automatic. Like, I kind of like the ads when they're spoken by the host um, and then sometimes, like, you could tell what, what mood the host is in or what, you know. Totally, and I'm nodding, once... which you can't see, but yeah. But um, I was going to say about the host speaking the ads. Yeah. That is a really great model, but it doesn't scale. It requires every sure. host to be able to, like, go out and win advertising contracts. Like, in general, sure. that's really hard to do. And so the yeah. genius of what Google had done with search advertising, I mean, I don't know if, I don't, I doubt this is what they were intending at the time, but the impact that they had was that, you could just plug that into your content and you didn't have to go out and, and find these advertising contracts on your own. Right, right. They built an ad network. And so the question is like, so one of the things that can be annoying about audio ads is that it kind of like text ads, like the Google ads or whatever, like they're kind of on the side or on the top, but you can read them in less than a second and skip them, or you could skip them entirely. The audio ads and the YouTube ads too, they can be really annoying because they can take up like 30 seconds of your time. And especially if they're not um, really entertaining or if there's something that's really, um, I don't know, there are some ads that are just really not um, like, like it actually is a product that I really don't want to hear about, then it could be it could be a negative. Where if, if there's something I really don't want to hear about in Google, I can kind of just kind of skip it. So, is there kind of a? You have like, raised you so many important points in that one sentence that I'm going to hopefully remember all of the things I wanted to respond good. to. Good. Well, it's a rambling sentence. So it's I'm a glad very it made good sense. rambling sentence. I mean, it may, also you're in podcast, so it would make sense yeah. that you have like a deep intuition for this. But yeah, the problem with audio and on some level of video is there's no such thing as simultaneity. You only can interrupt. You can't have an ad also and the content. So in display, uh, there's three. There are three dimensions. You have the two. Uh, dimensions of your screen, and then you have the third dimension, which is time. In audio, you're missing two out of those three. You have to interrupt, and that does put a huge pressure on audio ads to be much better. Um, 
But if you recall, there was a period of time when actually the two dimensions of space of the screen were taken over by pop-up ads, and everyone hated pop-up ads. Sure. And I think I told you this before, but like the other one of the other sort of uh, formative moments for me was someone uh, sending me this podcast where the person who invented the pop-up ad apologized for having invented it. He's like, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Uh, but I really unleashed yeah, the evil separate onto window. The world. It doesn't bother you. <laughs> oh my god! So I never want to have to get on a podcast to apologize right. for for whatever it is we create right now. Um, and there are places like Instagram that do ads brilliantly. People love their Instagram ads. They feel like it's a type of exploration where they find things that they wouldn't have otherwise found. I have friends who are always right. like, I would never know what shoes to buy if it weren't for Instagram. Yeah. Well, they also put like beautiful pictures on there, which is kind of what you open Instagram to see. And, and, well, sometimes it's a little tricky. Sometimes you wonder, oh, what friend posted that? And then it's not a friend at all. But, like, it's at least interesting stuff. Yeah, exactly. And so quality is another major issue. So audio quality. People now have all sorts of apps on their computers in order to, like, create really beautiful images. But as the 20 minutes of setting up these microphones just to test, and you do this all the time, it yeah. is very hard to produce high-quality audio just on your own. So it becomes much harder for like the local photographer to create an ad and upload it onto Spotify to get played because they don't have a recording studio. So we're trying to fix all of those problems. We're trying to create a way for people to generate the audio. We're using ML to make the audio really well mixed and have it be very, very high quality audio, but at scale. Um, we want to do exactly that of creating really high quality audio that feels additive rather than horribly interruptive to the experience. Sure, sure. I mean, so high quality audio is one thing. I mean, I had some Pandora ads where it's really annoying. Like there was an ad for some school, I don't know, in the somewhere in Manhattan, some school for girls, like, you know, really well targeted, right? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and, and, but it was like crinkly. It was like... <sighs> Yeah. I was like, who produced that? Why, why would I send someone to that school if they're not going to have a clear ad? And then there were and, – um, and I feel like there's a sense that um, in, in some of these services, the ads are just there to make you go to the paid service. They're just going to annoy you enough so that you go to the paid service. And um, that doesn't have to be that way. Okay, well, that's a whole different topic. Um, and we very explicitly and clearly – do not want our ads to drive people to the paid product because the ads are so bad. That would be a terrible contract to have with our users. We want to produce a really good experience, and then the premium product has some other set of advantages, like you can listen on offline, you can download your music, or you can listen on demand, all those kinds of things. Those are the reasons. So make the, the make the premium focus, because right now I think premium focus is all on no ads. So there should be other focus for premium. Yeah, exactly. That's not That should not be the only benefit of yeah. premium. Exactly. What I was going to say before was, like, the display ads have, like, been being developed for an extremely long time. And so the field is pretty mature. So that by the time Instagram got around, it was benefiting from, like, decades of innovation in this space. Audio does not have that benefit. Everything is still basically the radio model. Every X number of minutes, you get an ad. Sometimes it's spoken to the DJ's voice or the podcaster's voice. Sometimes it's spoken in some other completely different voice because it's inserted into the content. But there's been like basically no innovation. 
So we're starting, at, I think, at the beginning of a process of innovation and moving it forward, and it's going to keep evolving in ways that we can't imagine. The other thing that you had raised was about skipping. Sure. Um, and I think that's a really important point, too. I think being able to skip ads is super critical because then you are also sending a signal back to the whatever machine learning model is doing the um, targeting, saying, no, I skipped this one. I didn't want to listen to it. And you can give people feedback on both the targeting and the content of that. Okay, so that how do you disambiguate a skip? That's a really interesting problem yeah. um, that we're working on actively. What kind of what kind of feedback interaction is a good use case for listeners who are listening to music? Like, you know, there's a lot of display feedback you can imagine, but what's voice feedback other than R- skips? Well. Um, what do you mean? Like they would do something else besides skip the ad? Right. So let's say every time you skipped an ad, we popped up a little survey that said, did you skip this ad because you didn't like it? Oh, You're I not see. interested in it. Yeah. We found it offensive. Um, and we're, met, you know, we're playing with things like that, of getting that kind of direct feedback. And I think that will help us sort of develop the technology as we're moving forward. But ultimately in this model where it's just voices and ears – what would happen? Like, you skip an ad, and then a voice says, oh, excuse me, you just skipped an ad. Can you please tell me why? Like, that would be awful. You just right. skip the ad. You want to get back to the music or back to the content or whatever you were doing. Well, I, I think what would end up happening is we'd build models like we have here at Foursquare that tried to figure out, you know, what, like, we do have the ability to kind of figure out what the whether it's the content or the targeting, like whether if the ad was targeted differently or at different times, maybe it would have a better response. Mm-hmm. Although I don't know if skipping the ad is necessarily the negative, you know, th- then there's the whole attribution product that we're working on where it's like, okay, did the ad actually drive the action that you wanted, regardless of whether they skipped or not? So. That's a whole other... uh, No, exactly. So we're working on all those pieces. We're working on, like, the audio quality, audio signal processing part to try and create good quality ads. We're working on attribution to understand what what the ad actually drives. We're working on feedback and skipping and other kinds of signals to be able to understand the user's interaction. But again, it's like a super young field, um, which is part of why... It's part of why I really enjoy working in it, but also it's not going to be perfect for a while. We're going to be iterating. So if you had to design the podcast of the future, not in terms of content, but just in, how, in terms of how it would work, uh, what would it look like? So I'm going to not answer about podcasts because I think podcasts has already come to mean a very specific thing. Sure. So I feel like audiobooks are the most... Um, what's the word when something can't change? Static. Yeah. Are the most static form of audio content. And podcasts are now moving away from that, so it's a more dynamic um, in the sense that it's a topic, there's a conversation, you can send in questions, and on the next um, episode, the podcaster might answer your questions. There's that kind of um, not quite radio level of interaction, because on the radio, you can call in and live be on the radio. So you can't do that with a podcast, but there's some interaction you can have with the podcast. Yeah, there's a lot less of that in podcasts mm-hmm. than there is in radio. Like when I had a radio show in college, I had people call in all the time. And with this, well, it's a lot more flexible. I could do it whenever I want, but uh, kind of lost that um, kind of lost that aspect. Exactly. Of it. So it's asynchronous, which has a lot of benefits, especially for scale. But then, how do you create interaction? Yeah. So I think the interesting problems. There's a lot of interesting problems. I think some of the interesting problems moving forward is how do you make audio content interactive? And then that gets back to what we were talking about earlier with navigation. The thing I think that's going to be the biggest challenge is how you help people navigate around audio content in a way that is natural and pleasing rather than very stiff and awkward and odd. 
Right. So I can think of a few ideas like, uh, are you talking about whether people should navigate with their voice or whether there should be some other, like if I were, let's say I were commuting to work and I were listening to whatever I was listening to to work. Sometimes I listen to podcasts, sometimes I listen to music. Let's say I have my AR glasses on, you know, I could be like, you know, I could do something on those uh, to uh, to interact with the audio, or I could talk to interact with the audio. That would be kind of weird in the subway, but <laughs> yeah. So that but, other question is where so audio is going to inhabit a whole bunch of like currently unfilled spaces. Yeah. But what those spaces are are different, and we'll need different things. So, for example, commuting I think is a big space. Making dinner I think people have you know, music or podcasts or stuff in the background sure. while they're making dinner because their hands are busy. It's often good to have, like, quick news, not something that you really have to pay close attention to for 30 minutes. But, exactly. Yeah. Long car rides are better for, like, the pay attention to. So yeah, I think like there's the so many different contexts, and the context is going to be key. But what I meant by navigation is, let's say, and this is coming again from my experience working in digital publishing, let's say I wanted to understand... Uh, I don't know, what are lichens and how are they different from other plants? So I would look up what are lichens on Google and I would go to some article that says lichens are blah, blah, blah. And then I could click around and be like, oh, they're this thing. How is that different from this plant? Oh, this plant sounds really interesting. What's the cellular structure of that plant? What is a mitochondria? Oh, I will learn about mitochondria. So there's like already an entire landscape of information that you can now navigate through. Right. It's like, it kind of reminds me of like when you're reading a Kindle and you kind of look things up in the dictionary, sort of a model. Or, I mean, I guess it's just like on, um, I guess it's just like links on a page. But Links on a page, yeah, the whole... Places like about.com, one of the things that's great about their content, although, again, they're now dot .dash.com. Um, wait, that, is that words like dot .dash.com? So dot .dash are the words, and then dot .com is the dot .com. Oh, my God. But I don't know whether dot .com that was, is That's so evil. <laughs> Glad you can't put in. I'm not, I do not want to in any way hurt or insult any of my former colleagues. All right. I'm I'm them. Not, they know it's evil. <laughs> Possibly. I still don't want to say it out loud. Okay, it's sort okay. of public. Um, <laughs> But that kind of interactive content, I'm trying to think of other examples. So other examples are things like, um, how do you apply for a job? Right. Uh, So some people are going to want to learn more about how you write resumes. Some people need interview advice. Sometimes over the course of the process that you're going through, like the interview process, you'll need different information. Um, So that's kind of what I have in mind in terms of if you want to navigate a path, your own unique personal path through the sort of existing landscape of content, it's relatively easy to do that right now in display. Again, in part, that's because we've had 20 years of it developing. And the question is, okay, well, we're going to invent the audio internet, so how are you going to navigate through it? And I don't think we're going to get, I don't think we're like, I don't think it's a question that has an answer that you can sit down and say, basically. Like, I think we are going to find out by trying a bunch of stuff, and a lot of it is not going to work, and some of it will work, but not perfectly, and we'll iterate on it. And that's exactly why I want it to be like, an available thing for millions of people to iterate on at the same time because it's right. much more likely that everyone iterating at the same time will come up with something that really works more so than a single team and a single company sitting down around a table and thinking about it. Sure. But to push on that a little bit, like, do, is there anything that you, th- any specific thing that, that you think should be tried that, m- that might work or might not? Like what's promising or what's at least interesting, I guess, at this point? So it goes back again to the things I was saying at the beginning. I'd like, I would like to take a content set like the set of about.com 
translate it at scale into audio so that at least you have the landscape to navigate through. Right now, one of the problems is you can't navigate a personal path. There's nothing to walk through. Like it's such a sparse path that like everyone's stopping at the same landmarks along the way anyway. Right. You don't need a personalized path. Um, but if you had a huge amount of content and you understood what each bit of content was about because it had enough meta tagging that you were able to understand it, you could try and navigate a personal path through that. Great. So this is the part of the show where you can tell us uh, any closing thoughts and also tell us where we can go to find out more about this or more about you. So my closing thoughts are slightly a continuation on that thought of the how do you translate this all at scale. So part of the interesting ML problems there are uh, the way people write to be read on paper is really different from the way that you speak to be understood in audio. And the fact that people absorb information very differently in writing than they do through their ears means there's going to be some kind of style transfer to learn or something really interesting to learn before we can move that all at scale. So I think there's a lot of like pre-existing ML techniques that we could start applying to the problem space to at least understand the problem space better. I don't think there is anywhere you can go to learn more about the audio internet. It's like a thing in my head. I, I find more and more people who also are interested in it. Well, um, I, I'll tell you where you can go. Great. LocalMaxRadio.com <laughs> slash 46. That's where this show is going to be. Perfect. And I, I can put it. any links you want in the future as they come up. So The best way to learn more about me is probably to like come hang out with me. Awesome. All right. And I'll, uh, I'll, put, I'll put whatever info you want on the show notes page as well. Shani, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Max. I appreciate it. All right, on localmaxradio.com slash 46, I'm going to link to my natural language processing discussions in episode 23 and 2. 23 is with Chris Conception, more specifically focused on NLP, and then 2, back to Miriam's first appearance on internationalization and localization. I'm going to link to episode 17 with comedian and podcaster Rob Bernstein. He handles the advertising at Gas Digital Network uh, podcasting. So this is really relevant. Um, and I'm also linking to episode 24 with Christian Hubs for more about reinforcement learning. This is technically the last show of the year. It's our Christmas show. Got our New Year's show coming out January 1st. 2019 midnight UTC, but that will still be New Year's Eve here in the U.S. Um, you're going to want to listen to that because that show is my first attempt at stand-up comedy, or really it was kind of sit-down comedy that I did at the Foursquare Talent Show a few weeks ago. Uh, but uh, we're gonna you're going to hear seven minutes of that, and uh, I have a great lineup for January, which everyone needs to look forward to. We're going to dive into elections and social choice theory and studying cities and neighborhoods and how to make sure our algorithms don't crush creativity. 2019 is going to be a great year on the local maximum and a great year in general. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. Remember to check out the website at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, or ask a question that I can answer on the show, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. This show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and more. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe to The Local Maximum on one of these platforms and to follow my Twitter account, at Max Sklar. Have a great week. Feel, feel the power. And she said, I don't care what you say, you're gonna say.